The Start On Demand. On demand. We had a ton of fun today on The Start talking about your favorite cover tunes. And that conversation was inspired by 10-year-old Roberta Battaglia, who on America's Got Talent last week performed Lady Gaga's Shallow, which is a very mature song. You would never know she was just 10 years old. So you're going to hear a lot of great cover tunes today on the podcast. Also, you're going to hear an important conversation with former MLA Kevin Chief, who tells us about his battle with alcoholism. Brandon Alexander from the Winnipeg Blue Bombers weighs in on his frightening experience as it pertains to racism. And we'll continue the conversation on how to be an ally and friend with our friend Carolyn Clausen from Conexus Counseling. She's on with Hal Anderson Afternoons every Thursday at 2.30. We're stealing her for just a few minutes today. I'm Brett McGarry alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb. And this is the Tuesday, June 9th podcast for The Start. McNabb. Normally we open with a song called Judas by Fozzie, which is led by Winnipeg's own Chris Jericho. But today, Greg, we're opening with a different kind of Winnipeg band. Who is this? This is Street Hard, led by the absolutely legendary Kenny Shields. And I think for a lot of people, the song we're listening to right now, Under My Thumb, is a Street Heart song, not a cover song of a Rolling Stones song. Agreed. Talk about yeah, agreed, right? Yeah, I think I like this version better. I think a lot of people like this version better. Now, why are we talking cover tunes? We're going to talk cover tunes today because a young girl—you can't even call her a young woman. She's ten years old from Toronto. Last week, she was on America's Got Talent, and Loren, I don't know when you saw this. I saw it Saturday morning for the first time. Jackie was watching it back, and she sang "Shallow" from. Uh, Star is Born and did an incredible version of this song. It was so good. I refuse typically to watch these shows. <laughs> I watched her performance <laughs> four times and I had tears in my eyes every single time. Just so incredible. Yeah, you almost wish you didn't even know her age. Like if you closed your eyes and listened to that, because the lyrics to Shallow are such a mature song. And then if you've watched the movie and you know sort of the story around Star is Born, you know, it's just it's, just, it's such a grown up thing to sing. And that voice is it's inc- you use the word incredible. It's just insane to see what can come out of a child like she's a child and so yeah i look forward to hearing that again it was a it it was a great performance but more than anything i think it's got us all talking about cover songs today brett and i can't believe the number of ones when i go down the list of looking for songs i like if you don't go if you don't know the history well enough you don't even realize sometimes that some of your favorite songs were never even written by one of your favorite artists yeah i discovered a couple of those yesterday and i was i fell way down a rabbit hole as I was researching cover tunes and uh, giving Jeff Forte a list to, to sort of set us up. So you can tell us what your favorite cover tune is at 204-780-6868. But in case you missed that performance on America's Got Talent last week, it airs on Tuesday nights. Here's a short little tease clip from Roberta Battaglia. Tell me something, boy. Aren't you tired trying to fill that void? 
hard keeping it so hardcore. She's 10. She's 10 years old. Oh, the, uh, the chills down my spine. And there's one note in that song. When Lady Gaga hits it, I get, I just feel everything that you're supposed to feel. And then some listening to that song. And she hits that exact note exactly the same way. This, oh, it's so good. Mackling, McGarry and McNabb, Alien Ant Farms version of Michael Jackson's Smooth Criminal, one of my favorite cover tunes of all time. We're asking you that question this morning. What's your favorite cover tune? We asked the question because of the TV show America's Got Talent. It is in its 15th season, and it airs on Tuesday nights, so that's tonight. And last week, a 10-year-old Canadian girl did something incredible. Roberta Battaglia blew the judges away when she covered Lady Gaga's Shallow. So we're just going to play about 30 to 35 seconds of her performance here. It is mind-bending. There are four judges, Simon Cowell, Heidi Klum, Howie Mandel, and Sofia Vergara. And Vergara was so blown away, she hit the golden buzzer, which means she automatically sends Battaglia to the live round of competition. Greg, you were watching this video over the weekend. You spotted it with your friends at the cabin. I think it was through ET Canada. And uh, for those who were not listening earlier, what was your reaction? Uh, absolutely the same reaction I'm having right now. Spine tingling, just uh, my body's numb, tears in my eyes. When she takes that, uh, I don't even know the musical terminology. You guys will have to help me here. But when she takes that note to the next level, uh, I just, uh, there's just something about it when Lady Gaga does it and she does it. It just, oh, it's just so, so good. It just hits you right in your soul. Just an incredible performance. And Loren, when you heard that sound coming out of a 10 year old, what did you think? Well, come on. You would never have guessed she's 10 if they hadn't told you that. But more than anything, you know what? Like all these shows, any sort of talent competition, Brett, they get me because there's always a backstory. And she had one, right? That made it, made added to the tears, I think. Yeah, she was. I mean, for starters, the full nine minute or the full video is nine minutes. And it is really touching. She was super nervous at the start. Host Terry Crews comes out and he consoled her and encouraged her, gave her a bottle of water. She was so nervous. And then she had also talked about experience with being bullied. And Sofia Vergara says, who is going to bully you after this? And then, bam, she hits the golden buzzer. And now Roberta is a viral sensation, courtesy of that big booming voice. So we want to discuss your favorite cover tunes, Tech Text us yours at 204-780-6868. And let's go around the horn here. Why don't we start with uh, Jeff Fortier? Mine's a little dark. Uh... <laughs> awesome, Marilyn. Manson, Sweet Dreams. Uh, it was Eurythmics that did the original? Yep. Yeah. I don't know. It's nice and dark. It, I, I always liked it. 
It's a great. Oh, when this song came out, it was uh, I, it, like I think it caught the world kind of off guard and by storm because it was so dark. I was like, wow, I didn't know you could take that song and turn it around and turn it yeah. into this majestic piece of music. That's a great tune. And actually, you know what? Let's go from one dark selection to a, I guess, kind of another one, Loren, because you said yours is great, but you said it, it depressed you this morning. Oh, I immediately thought of this and then I hit play on this and then I thought, nope, nope, can't do it. But this is a cover of a song by Nine Inch Nails. And I think their, I think their album was actually called um, Spiral, uh, Downward Spiral. Yep. And that's where this song sent me this morning. <laughs> All right, so let's play this. It runs 35 seconds. Every time, Loren. Oh, but it, it's such a beautiful song. And actually, I started going down a Johnny Cash train this morning, pun intended, that uh, was really great. He's done a ton of great covers, but that song is it might be a bit much for 652A. No, it's never, it's never too much. That song is amazing. I'm so happy you sent that my way because I had forgotten about that. Because how can you keep track of all the wonderful cover tunes out there? Kelly Moore, what's yours? Well, mine is uh, one of the more memorable music performances in Winnipeg history going back to 2005. Uh, Do you want me to play it? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Do you have it, Forte? I have it right here. Okay. Letter Buck. Baby, I've been here before. I've seen this room. I've walked this floor. I feel like I should know what this is. Kelly, enlighten me. This is KD Lang from the 2005 Junos at then MTS Place with Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah. At the end of this performance, she received a two-minute standing ovation, and she performed this song again at the opening ceremonies of the 2010 Olympics. Hallelujah has been one of the most covered songs ever, and yet when it was first released by Leonard Cohen in the mid-1980s, it, it barely resonated. But now, uh, maybe it helped that it was uh, in the soundtrack of Shrek back in 2001, too. But uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was an, a magical performance at the Junos that night. I don't know if anybody else remembers it, but uh, yep. uh, that and the 2010 Olympics uh, are just incredible moments for me. Well, Bev, Bev remembers. She texted us at 204-780-6868 with that choice. And actually, Leonard Cohen, when it comes to his music, all it, typically the covers are always better. Like my dad, Smash Gordon, likes Concrete Blonde's version of Everybody Knows, uh, which is an amazing cover track. Jeff Braun, how about you? Um, I took something that maybe you'll, you'll definitely know the song. I don't think anyone's heard of the band. I'd never heard of the band. And I actually had to look them up this morning to see who are these people. They're a Swedish pop group called Amazon. And they do a great cover of uh, Foreigners, I Want to Know What Love Is.
almost ethereal, like as though you were riding a cloud through a rainforest or, or something. A horse. A horse, yeah. Oh, beach, Jeff Braun on a horse, just looking for love. <laughs> we got 60, se- we got 60 seconds here. off and just ride off into the sunset. We got 60 seconds. Let's get Greg's on. Greg Mackling, what's your cover tune? Well, Kelly actually stole mine, so I'm going... <laughs> it's just that good. But you know what? This song, really, uh, you really got me. Originally done by the Kinks from Van Halen is a good second choice. Yeah, David we- Lee Roth putting his own spin on this. It's, it's, it's pretty damn good. That was the first uh, text that came in this morning. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. We're talking cover tunes this morning. Lenny Kravitz, American Woman, covering, of course, the Guess Who. Keep those texts coming at 204-780-6868, and we will be listening to those all morning long on the start. We've got Breakfast with the Bombers coming up after Global News at 7.30 and more on the major overland flooding in southeastern Manitoba coming up at 7.45. A new group has been added to the Terrorism Awareness Guide used by the RCMP. With the RCMP saying in a statement that it's now categorizing incel attacks as a form of violent extremism. So incels are categorized as involuntary celibates and violence and misogyny are central themes to this sort of movement and many attacks have been attributed to it over the years. Uh, We might recall the 2018 Toronto van attack that killed 10 people. But what we're asking this morning is what does the addition of incels to this terrorism guide mean and is anything really being done to shut down the hate that spread through groups like it online, Greg? Yeah, Global News investigative reporter Stuart Bell has been digging into this for us, and he joins us now. Good morning, Stuart. Good morning. Well, there's a lot to learn here, so let's get at it. For those who need a reminder, maybe you could educate us on what is an incel and how is this movement spreading? Well, incels, they're, uh, it's a term that's short for in, involuntarily celibate, and it's a term that they use to describe themselves, and they're basically... Uh, young men who, uh, like I say, describe themselves as incels, and they hang around online discussion forums where they talk about their frustration, um, they view themselves as victims of a society that doesn't recognize their greatness, and um, these discussion forums are just awash with um, not just misogyny, but violence and the glorification of um, of men who have conducted incel attacks. What does it mean that the RCMP has added them to the guide? What is this saying? Well, I mean, the guide is something that was put out a couple of years ago, and it's meant really for, primarily for people that work with young people or, you know, our parents. And it's it's basically a guide to help people recognize the signs that somebody might be radicalizing towards um, extremism or preparing to engage in terrorism. It arose really during the, the peak of ISIS in 2015 when a lot of people were leaving Canada. And the idea was to just give parents some tips um, so they know the signs and they can recognize when a young person might be going through this transformation and try and intervene. Now, um, what the RCMP is, is doing is they're, they're adding uh, to this guide 
um, in cells. And uh, I think the my understanding of talking to sources is the hope is that um, you know everybody probably would recognize the signs that somebody had been falling into ISIS, for example. They you know might see the videos that they were watching online, but um, they might be less familiar with kind of the language and symbolism of ice of incels. And so the hope is that the more people are aware of what um, somebody looks like when they're falling into this kind of incel thinking, the better that they can intervene and get help for them. It falls into that conversation, Stuart, often where we say, well, that, you know, my son wouldn't do that or my brother or my uncle. And, and you know, I, I, I don't have anything to worry about here. But what is the actual concern when it comes to the rise in this type of movement, this type of thought, this type of misogyny? You mentioned signs to look for. So what what am, what should I be aware of when I'm considering all this? Well, I mean, this is a basically an online subculture. So a lot of it has to do with Internet use. But, you know, it also is accompanied by a whole kind of, like many of these movements, they have their own language. Um, things like blue pill and black pill, they're all references to a kind of a, a framework or a, a way that incels look at the world and and see themselves in it. And so, um, you know, the better you can understand these references and recognize them, um, whether you're, you know, a frontline police officer or a parent or a teacher, um, the better you can try and interrupt that process before it ends up uh, turning violent. And the research really has found that even though, as you say, uh, in almost all cases when we hear of these acts of violence, people will say, oh, I never suspected that. He seemed like a quiet young man or whatever. Um, the reality is when you really look deeply into these cases, in almost every case there's what they call leakage, and that is, the person was emitting signals that they were going through this kind of change and they just weren't recognized or acted upon. And so that's the hope of, um, you know, really the benefit of this guide is that people through, through awareness and understanding this better can, uh, you know, can disrupt this radicalization process before people get killed. Stuart, it's one thing to immerse yourself into this ideology and to this subculture, I think you called it, and, and to, to talk about these things, but it's a whole other thing to, to take action and to, and to act out in a violent way against a, another group of people. Are Within this online community, are they are incels encouraging one another to do that? How big of a part of that culture is, is taking your feelings and turning them into action, so to speak? Yeah, that's a great question, because I've spent the last couple of weeks really uh, immersing myself in the primary incel forums uh, where they need to discuss these things. And, you know, the reality is most of their discussion is sad, uh, self-hatred, um, a lot of conspiracy theory, but there's also violence and misogyny. And there's, there is the glorification of violence, the justification of violence, the belief that they are victims and the only way they can... Uh, you know, move forward is through violence. And also you see really the, um, over and over, you see them holding up people who have conducted violent attacks like the Toronto Van attack or even the Montreal Polytechnique mass killing. These people are held up as heroes and uh, uh, their their images, videos are circulated in, in a very kind of fawning way, which is it's troubling. And uh, of course, this has been the cycle of the rise of this type of violence is people 
look upon those who have conducted attacks and decide that they too want to uh, want to go down that same path. Global News investigative reporter Stuart Bell joining us live on 680 CJOB. Stuart, thank you very much for this, sir. Thank you. And you can read more at globalnews.ca. The headline, RCMP adding incels to terrorism awareness guide. 714 on 680 CJOB. We are getting flooded with text messages at 204-780-6868 on cover tunes. What is this, Portier? Is this? Oh, I thought this. Oh, is this ZZ Top? Yes. Yeah. I saw a text message. Yeah, this is from Maureen, first-time text messenger. Maureen Bergen, who says, uh, huge Elvis fan, but ZZ Top's Viva Las Vegas rocks. I didn't even know this was a thing. So thank you, Maureen, for sending that. Keep those coming at 204-780-6868. Traffic and weather in three minutes on the start. Yeah! I knew, I was hoping this wouldn't come up, but curse you, Jeff Forte. Grab the bottle opener. We're going to Wine Town. UB40. Blow this one up. Red, red wine. What is this even a cover of? Who does the original? Neil Diamond. I I, I, I don't know. I can't remember. That's right, Neil Diamond. I hate this song. (laughs) This goes back. (laughs) Do you remember why, Greg? It it goes back to Good Rockin' Tonight. Because when I was no, a kid... No, was that with TDM? Was that Terry David Mulligan yeah, good rocking tonight? That's right. It was before... Was it Stu Jeffries who took over? <laughs> Stu Jeffries, yes. Yeah, but it, in the, that time it was Terry David Mulligan. When I was like six years old, I submitted for some contest. I can't remember what the grand prize was, but I got uh, a postcard with a thank you, and I got this UB40 album, and I hated that song then, and I <laughs> hate it even more now. So Jeff Forte... You know where you can go. But we are getting just uh, so many text messages of, of uh, cover band, uh, cover tune selections. And this one I've never heard of, and I like this. Uh, this one from Kristen. A band called Real Big Fish. They're a ska band, and she said their take of Take On Me is fun. So let's have a listen. Oh, yeah. That is fun. Oh, Kristen, thank you for that. Yeah, if you look up a band called Scary Pockets, if you want to want to try some interesting cover songs, uh, Scary Pockets, and then Loren, uh, one of our listeners, Sleel. I like getting emails from Sleel because he's always so mad. But this one, he uh, he said, uh, "Ooh, hurt." By Johnny Cash. That's dark for the morning, but I I love it. I love that you suggested that song. I just like the I like his tone in it. I like the piano, but I went looking at the lyrics again, and I was like, I don't know, trying to find some meaning out of them for me to get through the day, and it just made things worse. So uh, it can be it's a little bit depressing, but lots of fun songs coming through today. And on, honestly, what's crazy about this? Oops, sorry. That's okay. <laughs> what's crazy about this conversation is the number of songs I just didn't know. Were covers, which makes me feel bad for the person who put out the original. Yeah, and this one, we're. I think this might be the song that's getting the most mentions right now. This is Disturbed, The Sound of Silence. Their version is incredible. And if you are, are unfamiliar with an a cappella group called Pentatonix, look up their version of The Sound of Silence as well. It is just mesmerizing. So we're going to keep those texts coming and the cover tunes coming all morning long.
Crackling, McGarry and McNabb. Another great cover tune, no doubt. It's My Life, the cover of the song by Talk Talk. Keep your cover tunes coming at 204-780-6868. We have one listener saying, no, Brad, you hate that song? Because I see now that this listener actually requested UB40's oh, no. red wine, uh, red, red wine cover of Neil Diamond. So, yes, I'm sorry. I can't stand that song, but I acknowledge that I am in the tiny, tiny minority on that. There's a reason that song gets still played decades later. It's a classic. So, keep those coming at 204 780 6868. More on the major flooding in southeastern Manitoba in our next segment. But we start this half hour. Breakfast with the Bombers, brought to you by the Cooperators. Find an advisor at cooperators.ca, a better place for you. And our guest today on Breakfast with the Bombers has a special place in our hearts. Greg and I were lucky enough to spend some time with him on the golf course a couple of years ago over at Southwood, which is a great place to get to know anyone. Yeah, 2020 would be his fourth season with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. He has become one of the leaders among a group of team leaders on the Blue Bombers defense. His interception on Hamilton's very first pass attempt in the Grey Cup last November set the tone for his team's historic victory. And he is one letter away from having both my son's first names. <laughs> in his, and uh, boy, oh boy, how do I mess this up? He's one letter away from having both my son's first names <laughs> as his first and last name. So he's pretty special in this house, Lorette. Brendan versus Brandon, right? Is that where? Correct. Okay. Just wanted to just clear things up. And that's why we're so pleased to welcome, one of the many reasons we're so pleased to welcome Brandon Alexander. Good morning, Brandon. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Well, thanks for taking some time to be with us. And, and we were saying earlier that it's always so nice to get some time with you. It's uh, extra special for us today because you shared a really personal story on BlueBombers.com in the wake of George Floyd's death. What are you feeling as you see the massive Black Lives Matter demonstrations around the world? Uh, well, me personally, I've just been feeling this. Uh, I've been feeling awkward lately just off of a lot of things that's been going on and uh, the reason why is because, you know, this just not happens to, you know, one person and it kind of blows up. The reason why I end up sharing my story is because uh, with a lot of people that know who I am as a person, they could tell you that I'm one of the most nicest and most respectful people that you ever meet in your life. And that happened to me, you know, and so you know, showing that this can happen to, to anybody and it has happened to a lot of people in our community. So um, I've just been feeling different about it lately, but uh, yeah, that's, that's why I said the story. Brandon, the last line of your piece, this isn't about whites versus blacks. It's about right and wrong and racism is wrong. It, it, it sums up how many of us feel. That story is shared uh, on bluebombers.com, took place in 2011. It's something most of us can only imagine going through. You lived it. Now, we don't have time to go into all the details. It's so eloquently written, and uh, I felt like I was there uh, with you, uh, B.A., when you were writing this. But maybe you can just give us a, an overview, if you would, of what happened to you that night. Uh, well, it was just, again, it was my first traffic stop that I've ever had. And uh, it was about 11.58 at night, and 
about two minutes away from my home, and we live in a pretty nice neighborhood. Uh, but you know, we wasn't in our neighborhood yet. So um, when we got stopped, you know, again we got pulled over, and we basically just really felt like an ambush at the end of the day. You know, just had forty people just jump out of you know unmarked cars and police cruisers and um, had their shotguns and handguns. You know, just ready to go on us and um i've never been in trouble with the law uh my friend that was in the car with me never been in trouble with the law and with this being my first traffic stop you know this is uh pretty you know we're, we're pretty scared you know really fearful for our lives at this time so uh you know we don't know what they were looking for and they were just you know, asking us what we've been doing all day, you know, and I, like I said in the piece, you know, we had a pretty eventful day from taking an ACT, playing basketball, and uh, coming from the fair. And, you know, I, I just, the, the number one thing that highlighted the whole piece was, you know, when they found a holster to the back, the holster to a gun in the back, you know, but my dad took the gun out because he knew I was going to use the car. You know, the number one thing they yelled was gun and not holster. And I think that was the the biggest piece out of a lot of uh, out of a lot of it because why would you yell gun if it was only a holster back there? You know. Did you ever experience anything else like that? Uh, no, nah, not in my life, no, sir. I know. Again, once I've been pulled over seven times since then, and never once got a ticket. I can't tell you why I haven't got a ticket. I can't even tell you why they pulled me over. Um, a couple of times it's been for traffic, traffic violations, but um, all seven times, no. And they're all, all seven times I've been around my neighborhood or around the area. So I have no idea. I have no idea, but I haven't had an encounter like that since then. But every time I've been pulled over or I've had police behind me, I am still afraid to this day, to be honest with you. Yeah, your heart must race a bit each time. Brandon, when you when you maybe see those flashing lights because you don't know what's coming. And it's fair to say in your calculations that this isn't necessarily about what a traffic violation, but uh, the color of your skin. Well, for the, for the most part, again, like with that being my first traffic stop in my life, it's just been, uh, it just left a, a toll on me, you know, and then it just, I don't, I, I thought that that's how every traffic stop would be after that, you know, and, you know, I just didn't want to go out of life. And it's not like I go outside and then I just fear for what's about to happen once I leave the house or anything. It's just at that moment, at that time, when I have police behind me or anything like that, it's just at that time, it's like, ah, okay, um, you know, stay calm, everything like that. And, uh, you know, I do get a little edgy. I do get a little fearful. My heart does pound a little bit. Um, again to this day so yeah brandon we had milt stiegel on the show uh last week uh, and he was telling us how his uh, son chase is just about to start driving and of course uh he told us about the fact that you have to have the talk with your sons if you're if you're african-american and, and you have a, a a young man in your family that that's driving for the first time to tell him how 
to act in, in a traffic stop. It's not a conversation we have to have here in Canada. It's a general conversation that everybody has in terms of, of respecting uh, police officers in, in any situation. What's your experience been like in Winnipeg? Have you experienced racism in our city or have you been welcomed overall to the community? No, the, I mean, Winnipeg has been like overly welcome. Like this is, I've been enjoying everything um, up there. To be honest with you, uh, the three years I've been up there, I've seen maybe maybe six police cruisers in my time that I've been up there. And it's different though when you're in a different country because you know laws are different. They're certain things that people go about, um, about certain things. Not only that, Canada is one of the most diverse, if not the most diverse countries that you can go to in this world. You know, um, there's still, you know, racial, uh, there's still racism there, but at the end of the day, you know, where I'm coming from and I'm go to somewhere that's different, you know, I've, this is Winnipeg, especially definitely one of the nicest, most you know respectful places I've ever been, and uh, yeah, I just feel, it just feels so much different. It does, you know. But when I was in high school, I had to have that talk for myself, you know. And it wasn't you know directly like okay, you got to watch out for these people, things like that. No, it was just more of uh, my parents used to always say nothing good comes after twelve. You know, my curfew was at twelve o'clock, uh, twelve o'clock my senior year and my junior year. I didn't understand that until that situation happened to me, you know, and I knew that it wasn't just about friends and it wasn't just about, uh, let's say you had a girlfriend at that time or whatever the case may be, you know, nothing good happens at the 12. Well, I mean, there's a lot of things that happens and, you know, that is included in that. Brandon Alexander of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, the name of his column, In My Words. You can read it at bluebombers.com. Greg's also just put it out on Twitter, at GMACWPG. Brandon, thank you so much for the visit. We always love talking to you, man. All right, thank you for having me. And coming up at 7.56, Bob Irving's latest 90th anniversary Blue Bomber memory. Ooh, what is this, Forte? It sounds like Johnny Cash. This is Johnny Cash uh, doing Rusty Cage. By Soundgarden. Yeah. yeah, somebody just texted, say, I think first-time texter, uh, saying it's Paul, saying Johnny Cash does a cover by Soundgarden. And Loren, didn't you say Cash, did he, uh, was it a Beatles song? Yes, he, uh, and now I've already forgotten it. Hang on, give me two seconds. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I kind of oh ambushed gosh. you with that. Oh, in my life. Okay. Uh, yeah, he did In My Life, which was a Beatles tune, and his, I love Johnny Cash's version. Okay, I need to educate myself more on Johnny Cash cover songs. Keep those covers coming at 204-780-6868. More on the flooding in southeastern Manitoba after we check traffic and weather in three minutes on the start. Burning diesel, burning dinosaur bones. I'll take the river down to Stillwater and ride a pack of dogs. the great cover tunes suggested by one of our listeners this is originally a dolly parton song right that's correct this is of course whitney houston and we are asking you to send us your favorite cover tunes to 204-780-6868 we have 
a turkey gift card, $25 gift card for Manitoba turkey producers because June is turkey month. So at 9.15, we're going to go through all of these text messages and pick a winner. So if you tell us which cover tune you like and why you like it, or maybe you've got a story attached to why you like it, Share that at 204-780-6868, and we'll pick a winner at 9.15. And we also have a Food Fair $50 gift card to give away at 8.45 here on The Start. We're giving those away all week long. And don't forget as well that Hal Anderson Afternoons has a large two-topping pizza from Santa Lucia. And you can also keep keep an eye on our social media where you can win a 15-inch two-topping pizza from Santa Lucia. Coming up after Global News at 9 o'clock, we're going to continue the conversation on how to be a friend. We're actually trying to get in touch with someone at this hour on the subject of, you know, it sort of follows a conversation that we've been having in recent days. You know, yesterday we had a conversation on Black Lives Matter with our friend A.Y. DeSenator. He's a community activist. He's the head of Africanad here in Winnipeg. He's from Nigeria. He came here five years ago. But we love talking to him because he's such, such a positive guy. He's always wearing these bright, stylish, colorful outfits. It's hard to go on and have a bad day after a guy like him walks into the room. And uh, Greg, you made a comment to him about a recent interview that you saw with the NBA legend known for the Skyhook. Yeah, that's right. Uh, it was an interview with Rachel Nichols and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. And he said, when Rachel Nichols asked, you know, what's one thing that, that, that we can all do to make things better? And he said, make friends with someone who doesn't look like you. And he suggested, Kareem did, that we'd be much better off if we did that. And yesterday asked AY about that sentiment. And AY said, not only does he agree with Kareem, but this is how he lives his life. Uh, AY also acknowledged that friendship is a two-way street and sometimes it's not reciprocated, which can be disheartening, of course, but he tries to stay focused on the good people in his life. I have the best neighbor in my neighborhood. I live in St. Norbert. My two neighbors are like angels. They treat me as if I am been here for 20 years. They come shovel my, my garage way during uh, wintertime. They help me cut my lawn. I didn't ask them. That is how people should be living. And that is the same message I want to put out there. We should all be one. We should fight this anti-racist thing. We should, we, should, we should support it. We should fight this injustice. We should all just come together and be one. And let's speak one language together. Love. So last week, we introduced you to community leader Charmaine Jennings. She owns Strategic Charm Boutique, which specializes in so- social media management. And we wanted to bring her back on to further this conversation on being an ally or being an ally or being a friend, because uh, she texted me shortly after our interview last week to say we should maybe start a conversation about allyship. So, Charmaine, first of all, thanks for being with us this morning. Yeah, thanks for having me again. What do we mean by this, being an ally? What is allyship? Well, and that's the thing. I think that's a big question a lot of people are asking. And for me, I think allyship first starts with friendship. I think right now a lot of people are trying to be allies and trying to be supportive of the black community. But my question always is, do you have black people in your life, in your circle? If I were to go to your birthday party or your wedding, would I see other black people there? So for me, the very first step is to first be a friend. You know what? And and being a friend uh, for some people isn't easy in the first place. So uh, finding 
you know, relationships or, or building relationships at work or outside of work is difficult for a lot of people. But what do you think about what Kareem Abdul-Jabbar said and, and our friend AY the Senator and what we were talking about? Befriend someone who looks different than you or at least open up the avenues of conversation. Would the, would the world be a better place if, if we did that to, at least somewhat consciously? Absolutely. And I think a big part of that, and right now it might be hard with social distancing, but a big part of that is like branching out and going to events you don't normally go to. You know, Winnipeg is great for having so many cool events and festivals and things like that. So try going to something new that you never, um, that you've never attended before. Like you just said, try and reach out to different people at work or other places where you see a lot of different people. And if, um, you know, if that's difficult right now because of social distancing, try and make those connections online. Right now, a lot of people are sharing Black voices and Black resources. So try diversifying who you follow on social media, right? Try and follow more Black businesses, more Black organizations, and diversify your, your feed. So let's say somebody does that. Like if they, they want to be an ally, they want to be a friend, they're not really sure how to step outside their comfort zone. You've offered some tips on how to do that by going to an event you, you might normally not go to or reaching out to people online but then let's say you get there and you realize i I, what do i say how do i start the conversation what would you suggest well it's it's the same thing as talking to anybody else like how would you like if you're going to a conference for example or a networking event how would you start you would introduce yourself um say your name ask them about themselves right so i think you know if you're going to try and branch out and make new friends you don't want to approach it from the from the sense that okay i just want to have more black people in my circle just act like you're trying to make friends in general right and i think there's other there's other things you can do as well so for me it does start with friendship but there's so many other things you can do as well to be an ally right so if you are around your friends or family members and they're making racist comments call them out and tell them that it's not right you know try and use your voice online as well and um, talk about the social injustice that we're experiencing and how you feel about it Sometimes, Charmaine, that involves just being uncomfortable, getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. And you mentioned calling out friends or calling out people or behavior. And, and sometimes yeah. it's 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 doing it. It doesn't have to be a confrontation. It can be an education. Exactly, exactly. It doesn't always have, has to be a conversation. You just start that conversation with them and try and open their minds a little bit, right? And there's other things you can do, again, if you are still are not that comfortable. There's things you can do. Um, as well on your own, right? So if you have kids, teach your kids about, you know, what race is. And um, I always suggest teaching kids about racism. I feel like a lot of people feel racism is a heavy topic for children, but we experience racism as children too, right? So the more you talk about it, the less likely they're going to grow up and, you know, say racist things to people or be unkind, right? Maybe it's about giving them different books that they can read or talking to their teachers and asking them, what are you teaching in your curriculum about Black history? Charmaine Jennings owns Strategic Charm Boutique, which specializes in social media management. Charmaine, thank you so much for joining us to continue this conversation. We appreciate it. Thanks again. And after Global News at 9 o'clock, we're going to continue the conversation even further with our friend Carolyn Claussen from Conexus Counseling. We're borrowing her from Hal Anderson Afternoons. She's on every Thursday at 2.30 with Hal, but we're going to touch base with her, and she'll give us some tips on, on how to step outside of your comfort zone and how to be more empathetic. Got traffic, weather, and business next on The Start.
Cycling, McGarry and McNabb, Metallica, Whiskey in the Jar. This is one of those songs that I didn't know was a cover tune. Greg, do you know who does the original? I can't remember. Oh, I can't remember who does it. I knew you were going to ask me, too. I can't think of it. Forte, do you have it all on hand? Uh, the Dubliners? Oh, my God. Maybe. Oh, maybe. Uh, <laughs> Jerry Garcia? Hang on a second here. Uh, whiskey in the jar. We one of our, uh, okay, yeah. Uh, is is sung with many variants on locations and names, including the Grateful Dead version, a version by the Dubliners. It's an Irish traditional song. Uh, so yeah, I guess it first gained exposure when the Irish folk band the Dubliners performed it internationally as a signature song and recorded it on three albums in the 1960s, and it was then popularized by the Highwaymen who recorded it on their 1962 album. Encore, Thin Lizzy uh, did it in the 70s. Looks like the Pogues did it. So, yeah, wow. Even uh, Brian Adams has done a cover of this one. But this is the version I am familiar with, and one of our listeners suggested that. So thank you for that. Keep those coming, and we will give away a $25 gift card from Manitoba Turkey Producers in our next segment based on all of those text messages we're getting on cover tunes. This has been super fun this morning. So, Greg, thanks uh, for putting this idea on the table. But right now we want to keep the conversation going on how to be an ally, Loren, during this time of Black Lives Matter. Yeah, an hour ago at 810, we spoke to Charmaine Jennings from Strategic Charm Boutique. She's an advocate within the community, a social media strategist, and she wanted to talk to us about how to be an ally or a friend. And she suggested if you don't know where to start, try going to events you might not normally go to. Reach out to people online you might not normally reach out to. And that was a lot of food for thought for people, uh, which raised the questions from some, well, what if you're too scared to do that? No question about it. And to get some tips, we turn to our good friend, Carolyn Clausen from Conexus Counseling. It says old, our good old friend here, Carolyn, but I didn't think we should use that. So oh, I, get uh, off your high horse. <laughs> What's that? Get off. I mean, it's, just, it's just a colloquial term. Come on. I know, but some people get offended when you use that, and I just didn't want to offend our friend Carolyn. So, hey, so we're boring uh, Carolyn from Hal. She's on Hal Afternoons uh, every Thursday at 2.30 on 680 CGB and used to be kind enough to visit with uh, Brett and I back in the day. So I think Hal has been perpetually borrowing Carolyn from Brett and I, but we digress. <laughs> Carolyn, we, we talked about how some say that the world would be a better place if we befriended someone who looks different than us. And, and maybe the, just the first step is get to know people that, that you normally don't associate with. Uh, for those who are maybe thinking about this for the first time and and may, maybe they don't know how to do this or go about it, because maybe it's uncomfortable to meet new period new people period i think that's an issue for a lot of people how do you put yourself out there and and how do you start to to meet people outside your traditional circle that's a really good question and i think each person has to kind of do it in their own way for people who and it's probably a little bit more challenging these days during covid-19 right um because often people go to social places to meet people um i think it's important to to stress ourselves and to recognize that it is going to be uncomfortable getting to know people that we don't know. But I think the, the, 
what we have to recognize is that as we allow ourselves to be uncomfortable and reach out and get to know other people, that the rewards are going to be so much higher than the risk and the courage that it takes. And it's just always going to pay off to get to know new people. Um, and I think what it means is doing things differently, because if you go to the same places, you're going to see the same people. And so how do you start volunteering or going online to different sites that you haven't been before to get to know people and to just introduce yourself and start seeing if there's someone that you can get to know. It's been suggested to us, Carolyn, as part of this discussion that you shouldn't get people to do the work for you if you want to educate yourself. So let's say we take that step. We want to befriend someone new and be an ally. How do we avoid clumsiness in the discussion? Like how do we avoid uh, being a a bull in a china shop? Well, I think the, the challenge is as we get to know people and as we are entering um, different spaces that we are that we're new to, I think what we have to do is approach it with a sense of humility and humbleness to say, I don't want to be a bull in a china shop, but I am here because I'm recognizing that there's lots of things I don't know. And so tell me when I'm being too much or when I'm not asking the right questions or what questions should I ask or is it just better that I listen? And you let people teach you how to best get to know them. And I think that that's a huge gift when you let people know that you are giving them room to do it in a way that works for them rather than going in like the proverbial bull in the china shop and say, we're going to do it this way. That's even the first step to not being sensitive. Sometimes I think, and I've seen this on social media in particular, Carolyn, which is not always the best place sometimes for reactions, but the reaction can sometimes be, no, it's not, or don't feel that way, or you shouldn't feel that way. And in the context of we're trying to move forward and and identify issues of of racism and how we treat others in Winnipeg and beyond, you know, it comes back to that idea of listening. You don't get to tell somebody how they feel in a moment, especially when you've never walked um, even a centimeter in their shoes. That's right. And I think our first tendency is to say, don't feel that way or you shouldn't feel that way. What that is, is judgment saying, from my perspective over here, it doesn't make sense what you're feeling over there. And what I work to do myself is I, if I notice my, my ha- having thoughts like that, I see that as judgment and I see if I can swap out judgment and substitute in curiosity. So if you can say, that's interesting that you have that reaction. Can you tell me why you would respond that way? Because I'm not sure that I understand. And that is where the beautiful learning comes in. When you have a chance to be curious and explore why a person has a reaction that's so different from what you would have, you, there's just a possibility of discovering something really important there. Carolyn, doesn't that translate into most of our relationships in life, whether it's work relationships or interpersonal relationships at home or or amongst your friends, is so often we're, we're quick to judge. And so we lose that ability to maybe try and see things from other people's point of view. Empathy, I think, is in short supply at times. Empathy is really hard. Judgment is really easy. Um, I think really good quality listening is exhausting. I think it's really important to look at what, not only what people are saying, but how they're saying it. When they tell a story, not only hear the, sort of the content of the story, but hear underneath, not only what are they saying, but how are they saying it and explore that. And it's so beautiful. Um, 
what we call that active listening in counseling. And when you are active listening and really exploring another person's experience, and often the very short circuit is, I don't agree with that because my experience is this, or my story is like that, so I agree with you. And we go quickly to our own experience. If we can stay with the other person's experience and really be active and listening deeper and deeper into the layers of their story, there's this richness that we can plumb that just makes us all better people. And Carolyn, before we let you go here on the subject of sometimes if you're talking to somebody and they have an opinion that's completely different from yours, that can, and it catches you off guard, sometimes that can trigger a defensive reaction, right? So how do you avoid that, that sort of emotional, like, whoa, am I about to have a fight with somebody here? Like, how, how can you sort of avoid that? I think one of the lines that I like to remember is that empathy is not endorsement. And so if a person says something that you don't understand or that feels confusing to you or that you definitely don't agree with, you don't have to shut them down right away. You can explore their perspective. And often when you when you have a chance to not jump to defensiveness, when you have a chance to stay with working to understand their experience, you'll understand that maybe you misunderstood or that they have a richer perspective than you do or that they come at it from a completely different perspective and that you actually aren't so far off if you can continue to stay with exploring and understanding them rather than and, and sort of stay away from that defensiveness. And when you feel it rising up, if you can let it pass and keep going with active listening. Carolyn Clausen from Connexus Counseling. We borrowed her from Hal. She's on Hal Anderson Afternoons every Thursday at 2.30 on 680 CJOB. Carolyn, a pleasure as always. Thank you so much. It's great to call you an old friend. Okay. <laughs> Thank you very much, Carolyn. 916 on CJOB. We have our winner. We have selected our winner for the Manitoba Turkey Producers $25 gift card as we listen to Hailstorm's version of Pharrell's Get Lucky. This was uh, Daft Punk, I think, and Pharrell. Uh, right, Forte? That's I think, correct. Yeah. I think when I initially said it, it was I said Pharrell, but I forgot. It's a Daft Punk tune with Pharrell doing the vocals. But yeah, we have our winner. We will tell you who it is in three minutes' time after we check your forecast right away on the start. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, we have a cover version of Brown Eyed Girl. We have been taking your suggestions all morning long on the start and your favorite cover songs based on 10-year-old Roberta Battaglia, who performed Shallow by Lady Gaga last week on America's Got Talent. It's on Tuesday nights, so that's on tonight. Again, 10-year-old from Toronto sings Shallow by Lady Gaga and blows the world away. So that inspired a conversation today, which has been so much fun on cover tunes. And we are giving away... Based on all of your text messages, a $25 gift card from Manitoba Turkey Producers. And Greg, we have our winner, who is victorious. Well, this had to be difficult. I mean, how many text messages have we had? 200? Yeah. Unbelievable. One of our most loyal listeners, Kristen. She listens every single morning. She texts us every morning. And here's what she had to say on this topic. Real Big Fish do some great covers. Their version of Take On Me is super fun. And The Brown Eyed Girl is leaps and bounds better than the overplayed original. And of course, Save Ferris did that perfect cover of Come On Eileen. If that wasn't reason enough to like her nomination, guys, she sent a follow-up text after we put out the call for stories to accompany their choices for favorite cover tunes. And she said, Kristen writes, I've been an RBF fan for decades. Finally got to see them live last year. It was easily in the top 
three best shows I've ever attended. The guy, crowd was on fire. The guys were on point. Nothing beats this live band experience. And then, of course, she adds, I like turkey. And my favorite part, guys, picture of a turkey. That's That sold the, sealed the deal for me because it's a live turkey in her photo. She's looking for a unlive one, <laughs> not live. I mean, I could say dead. It seems harsh in context. <laughs> Mm-mm. Opposite of live turkey. <laughs> Congratulations, Kristen. She added, sorry for all the ska suggestions. It might be a bit early for all the sassy trumpets. Oh. It's never too early for a trumpets, Kristen. Thank you so much. And we always love the pics of animals that you send us, including today's turkey. And we have turkeys to give away for the next couple of weeks here on The Start. <laughs> Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Thanks again for all the cover tune suggestions. Run DMC with Aerosmith. Walk this way. And, uh, yeah, we've got about 24 minutes left, so we'll sneak in some more cover tunes before the end of the show. Our next guest is a familiar name with a powerful message. He has been a leader in our community for a long time, but for years, Loren, he carried a secret. Kevin Chief was an MLA from 2011 to 2017, and he represented the people of Point Douglas, Many saw him, actually, he was touted as a possible future leader of the NDP in Manitoba. Also, beyond his political career, he was the co-founder of the Winnipeg Aboriginal Sport Achievement Centre. He's always been extremely active in our community, and he really continues to inspire the citizens of our city, Greg. Yeah, Loren, I couldn't agree with you more. Kevin, thank you for taking time to visit with us this morning. Lots to get to here this morning. Uh, We appreciate your time. Thank you so much for having me on. It's a real pleasure. Well, before we discuss the revelations you, you shared about yourself in that fabulous piece and a tip of the hat to uh, Katie May at the Winnipeg Free Press and to you, of course, Kevin, for granting the interview and opening up about your past. Can we talk about what has happened over the last couple of weeks? Uh, safe to say that, uh, you know, it's not been since the 1960s before you and I were born. Have we seen such activism for a common purpose across North America and around the world, really, as people demand changes in how the police treat people of color. I know you studied justice and law enforcement at the University of Winnipeg. What do you think about these calls for defunding police services? Well, uh, the the first thing I want to say um, is that it's been, you know, for me watching everything that's going on, um, it's been a time to uh, reflect, to to listen, to learn. I got to tell you, um, I'm very fortunate to have a, a broad network of friends. And, um, you know, I've been reaching out to a lot of them, particularly lots in the black community and just seeking their advice, seeing how they're doing. And so for me, it's been uh, a real time to reflect and listen and then to engage where I think I can maybe help out and make a difference. And so I think right now it's important as we continue to do that and have important conversations like the ones that we're seeing going on, not just in our local community, but the broader community as well. Part of that reflecting, and you use the word reflection, Kevin, and so I want to touch on then um, your history and your battle with addiction because this is a time that so many of us might be looking back and thinking, where did we go right? Where did we go wrong? How can we be better? And I'm curious why you decided to eventually share your story and, and your battle. Well, well, first off, I do want to give a shout out and thank you so much for uh, acknowledging Katie May because she did a, a wonderful job. And through that process, she, you know, she was so kind and compassionate uh, to listen to me and my nephew, uh, who had the opportunity to talk to her from Headingley. 
penitentiary. And um, I'm, I'm so appreciative that I got to work with uh, Katie on that story. Um, well, what, what happened with me was about a year ago, my nephew um, really wanted to start talking seriously about sobriety. He was in a program called the Winding River Program. And so through the conversations when I'd go visit him or talk to him on the phone, I started to realize that um, I, I had more to contribute around sobriety and around addiction than I had ever used. And one of the things that I was very fortunate, uh, and I and I share this with people, if you think about the people who helped you, uh, who supported you in your life the most, what's remarkable about those people is they never asked for anything in return. The people who helped me are the same kind of people who helped you, that they got joy just from you being successful. Their only hope for us is that one day that if we had the opportunity that we would give back in the same way they helped us. And I started to realize that I hadn't lived up to my end of the bargain on that, talking to my nephew. And so he actually asked me if I would uh, be willing to, to share our story, but he wanted to do it together. And so it took me quite a long time to, to, to do it, but I also was really careful with him because I said there's a there's an additional burden when you go out and you share that, and I was, you know, nervous and scared about doing it myself, but I was also nervous for him, and so it took a while, but, um, you know, we're so fortunate to, that we had Katie um, to do it, and then since then, I got just amazing messages, one of them coming from, uh, from Greg, of course, and, you know, you get those messages from your community, and, um, you know, they... They mean so much, and I, I, I share them with my nephew, and it provides so much hope and inspiration to him going through a very difficult time in his life. Did this part of your story get in the way of you remaining in politics, Kevin? No, no, not not at all. I, I, you know, like I said in the story, you know, I had tried quitting, and I, I had, I had slipped so many times, and. So it got kind of embarrassing telling people I was going to quit drinking and then I, you know, then they would see me drunk somewhere. So I knew the anonymity became sort of a really important tool for me because I didn't want to be embarrassed again. And I didn't know how to come out and actually share um, that part of my story. And then what I did is ultimately my dad had passed away from, from alcoholism when I was 18 and he raised me as a single father. And so what I could do is I could talk about the struggles that many people in my life, my network of friends, you know, people in my neighborhood, and I could use my dad's story without fully having to um, share that part of um, my story as well. And so I didn't mean it. I didn't know. I didn't mean it for it to be like that. In fact, when I talked to my sponsor. I said, how do I know when I could share my story? Cause I took so much hope and inspiration from other people's stories and it, it built um, a sense of, of hope, and I knew I could get through because I would say, well, you know, uh, this person did it, so for sure I could do it. But it never came to be. And so, you know, I realized that um, that I probably should have and could have done more when, those, when, we, when I'd have those visits and long conversations with my nephew. Kevin Chief is our guest. He's talking about the recent article in the Winnipeg Free Press where he opened up about his battle with alcoholism. And, and you mentioned your sponsor, Kevin. And mentorship plays such a huge part in any success we have in life. As an alcoholic, I guess mentor equals sponsor. 
and, and, you know, as an alcoholic, and I got to say, it's tough for me to, to say that to you, uh, who helped you on your road to sobriety? Who was your mentor? Who was your sponsor that, that, that helped you battle this well, my, so successfully? My, yeah. So my journey, like where I was fortunate is my sponsor was, he was an older guy. Uh, his name was John. He had been in, uh, in AA for, for many years. And so I always knew I could call him and I really leaned on him a lot, particularly on weekends. I could have those calls and he, he always took my call, but my, my journey started in AA and then what ultimately happened is I fell in love with, you know, old time country music and fiddle music and square dancing. And, you know, I used to proudly say I was uh, Canada's only jigging politician because of my love for my culture. And so the people that started to surround me in my, in the community, they, they started to provide a, a different kind of um, holistic support for me. And so it didn't have to be so much about um, just talking about alcohol, but my nephew in, in, uh, in the Winding River program says it best, is that the best way to help yourself is to help others. And then that, that leaned, guided me into, in essence, you know, being the MLA for, the, for Point Douglas, which to me is the best job I'm ever going to have because that neighborhood had given me so much. There's a lot of struggle and challenge, but it had given me so much. And the best relationships we have are the relationships where people support you but they also let you support them. And I'm so grateful that so many people allowed me to give back in such a, in such a remarkable way. And I think, you know, where you start in a journey of sobriety, um, it's really important that you have people that you know you can fully open up about. And, and that would be for mental health or addictions because whatever you don't share, it doesn't stay in you. It manifests itself in other ways. And, Ultimately, for my dad, because he didn't share it, um, he ultimately passed away from alcoholism because he used, you know, alcohol to help with, you know, that pain and hurt that he experienced so much in his life. You know, and we, and we don't mean to do that. You know, we like for my dad and so many others, we just don't want to burden people with our struggles. So we actually trying to do a good thing. Um, but you can't do that. You have to be able to to find people that you love and care about. And it actually helps them because they're helping you now. And so it's not it's not a selfish thing to do. It's a very good thing to do. I tell that to my nephew all the time, that he's really helping me in a difficult time where everyone's going through so much uncertainty. But my conversations with him are just bringing so much more meaning to my life. And so... Um, I'm, I'm really encouraged people to share, you know, you, Greg, you sharing your, your struggles with, uh, with mental health. You know, I, I, I look at that and I saw how you put yourself out there. And it's those little touches that make you believe that one day you can share your story as well. And I remember interviewing you, Kevin, years ago when you were first elected and taking a tour around the Point Douglas neighborhood and, and just the pride you've always had about where you've come from and where you hope to go. And I'm curious how much that plays a ro- role about staying connected to the past and your roots as, as you look to help people in the future. Yeah, it's, um, it's what I said uh, earlier. It sort of reinforced that like I'm, I, I was so fortunate to have such incredible people in my community, in my life. You know, one of the stories I often share is when I was in grade four, it was a pretty tough time for me. And I had a teacher, her name was Mrs. Wilson. And uh, Mrs. Wilson gave me a word. There was a Mr. Strathcona and a Miss Strathcona. 
And the award went to the, the student that had the best marks and the best attendance. And I didn't have good marks, and I had one of the worst attendance. And she gave me the award at the end of the year. And I used to wonder why she gave me that award. And I think it was because of encouragement and support um, to try to build confidence in me. You know, and I want to tell you the story about Mrs. Wilson, because before she passed away, she passed away from cancer. She had asked her um, family to find me to see if I'd say a few words at her funeral. And I did the, uh, I did the eulogy at her funeral. And so when you have people like Mrs. Wilson and so many other people in your life that work so hard and they take joy in, in your success, um, and you see people every single day trying to make life better for people, um, you know, to represent a neighborhood like that in the Manitoba legislature, I always tell people it's going to be by far the best job um, I'm ever going to have. And I'm so incredibly proud of the, of the resiliency and the diversity. And it's such an incredible neighborhood. And so um, I'm always proud to say that I'm a, I'm a proud North Ender. Kevin, we're running out of time here, unfortunately, but I just wanted to tell you how, how courageous I think this has been on your part to share this story and to, to come on the air with us today. And once again, a tip of the hat to Katie May for helping you tell your story in the free press. It, it's caught the attention of thousands of Manitobans and uh, just so honored to uh, consider you a friend. And, and thanks for this. We, we appreciate uh, what you're doing for the community. Any chance, any chance this opens a door for you to return to politics? <laughs> well, the first thing is I want to thank all of you for, for having me on. It really means a lot to me. And thank you for to all the people listening and all the people who sent me messages. They really mean a lot to me. Um, you know, I got out of politics. My son, Dax, was born two days before the, the last election that I ran in. And so Dax just turned four. Um, and I have two other boys, one in kindergarten and one in grade four. So I, uh, I left politics because I wanted to try to work on being a better, a better husband and dad. So I'm going to, I'm going to hold that line. So, uh, but thank you for bringing it up, um, uh, Greg. And thank you so much for having me on. It's a real pleasure. Kevin Chief, the pleasure has been all ours. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us this morning. A very powerful story indeed, and it will be in our podcast for the start, which you can get anywhere you find your favorite podcast. We want to thank everybody as well who has sent us your favorite cover tunes. This one right here, Tweeter and the Monkey Man, the Headstones, goes out to our colleague Diana Forsberg. She weighed in on Twitter, at 680CJOB, originally done by the Traveling Wilburys, which I now need to look up, Loren, because uh, I have zero recollection collection of the original this is one of those songs i didn't know was a cover no and you know how many uh rabbit holes i've gone down this morning on that note like you first of all i i think i don't know the song and then you're like oh i do know that song and then you're like wait a minute that's not their song and then you go to the original band you're like who's this band like it's crazy <laughs> this has been so much fun greg thanks for uh for putting this idea on the table yesterday because uh i gotta go back through all these texts when i have time here and just create myself a playlist of all these awesome cover tunes yeah, we're lucky to have the extended family we have, our radio family. So thanks to everyone for ter- participating. Otherwise, uh, these ideas uh, fall flat. Hey, thanks for listening to the Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think. 
And hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG. That's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on CJOB. Talk soon.